artificial intelligence may seem futuristic in the movies, but it's having a real impact on the companies that we invest in right now. As machine learning grows more widespread, how can investors profit from this opportunity? Welcome to Bernstein Insights, and this is The Pulse, where we cover trends in the economy, markets, and asset allocation for long-term investors. I'm Matt Palazzolo, Senior Portfolio Manager, and I'm joined today by two colleagues. First, Senior Portfolio Manager Paul Robertson and Investment Analyst John Maddox. So guys, welcome to the show. Matt, it's a pleasure to be here. Thanks, Matt. Glad to be here. Okay, John, let's start with you. Artificial intelligence is, I guess, no longer science fiction, right? It's being utilized today by executives across a number of different industries all across the world. Help us understand what artificial intelligence means. Sure. So over the past decade, as companies have moved increasingly to mobile or software-based platforms, you've seen a massive growth in the amount of data that's out there. And companies have been analyzing this data to increase their sales or improve efficiencies in the companies. But there becomes a point where, you know, is there a real big difference between the billionth and two billionth data point? What human can identify a trend in there? Mm -hmm. So artificial intelligence can really come in and it can use algorithms rather than humans to detect trends and patterns that we might otherwise miss and help uh, increase the returns to uh, efficiencies at that level. So, Paul, let's make this tangible. Give our listeners an example of how artificial intelligence is used. Well, Matt, I just spent half an hour this morning shoveling uh, snow off my driveway. <laughs> so I'm, I'm looking for a summer example. So sure. how about a lemonade stand analogy? Uh, lemonade stands are set up by kids in the kind of neighborhood that I live in. Um, and I guess the genesis for the business is just simple observation. Um, you can see as you drive around the neighborhood that people will buy lemonade from a lemonade stand when it's hot and sunny in the middle of summer. So simple observation sets the business up. Great. We have a business. But now how do we grow the business? Well, we could start to form hypotheses about what other things people might be willing to buy from a cute kid standing on a sidewalk. Perhaps there's a local uh, lemonade stand trade association. You can go and collect right. some data about different lemonade stand businesses. And you might decide that an interesting hypothesis would be, would people also buy ice cream from a lemonade stand? That would make sense. That would make sense. You would think so. But let's check the data. You go collect the data. You run your statistical tests and you decide if the sales of lemonade stands that also sell ice cream are statistically significantly different from the sales of lemonade stands that just sell lemonade. Or maybe you focus on profits if you're a really clever entrepreneur. So you create a hypothesis and you test the hypothesis using data and you might decide to add ice cream to your product lineup for your lemonade stand. But there really comes a point where when you're looking to grow a business, you're out in a world beyond what simple hypothesis creation might be able to do for you. And this is where machine learning becomes really helpful. You can throw at the machine all of the data that you can find about businesses that thrive in hot and sunny conditions and what they sell and where they're located and the... Uh, characteristics of the consumers and traffic flow and, and whatever. And you don't 
presuppose what the model should be looking for. You just ask the model to identify characteristics of successful lemonade stands. And look, you might be surprised by what the machine comes back with. It might come back with non-intuitive, non-obvious conclusions like, I don't know, um, being located next to a car wash makes a real difference. Mm -hmm. Uh, Who would have known? But apparently that comes out of the data. Or maybe um, offering a Kebabs, as well as lemonade and ice cream, is the way to maximize sales. Again, it seems so non-intuitive, so non-obvious, but maybe when you analyze the data, that's what you find. And that's what successful businesses are doing today. They're allowing the data to speak to them about relationships that might be non-intuitive and non-obvious to someone forming hypotheses. Isn't this very much like what Amazon and Netflix are doing with their recommendations to their users? I think about my own experience. I have Netflix in the house, although admittedly my daughter watches more Netflix than I do. So the recommendations that that Netflix makes to us is as if I'm a nine-year-old girl, which as you well know, I'm certainly not. But isn't that the same utilization of data to make informed decisions? Yes, it is. And I would suspect that Netflix has learned about households with dads and nine-year-old daughters and can actually separate and make recommendations. But look, these businesses, these sales suggestion models, I think are fascinating. Um, As a kid, I was always mightily impressed by McDonald's with its would you like fries with that? Because, of course, when they said that to my mum and dad, they almost always bought more fries. Of course you would, yeah. Fries are awesome. I mean, and who wouldn't buy more fries if they were suggested to them? But, of course, there's clear limits to just the success you can achieve just by asking everybody, would you like fries with that? Some people like salads. Some people like cappuccinos. If you're just asking everybody, would you like fries with that, then you're missing those opportunities. Mm -hmm. So these businesses like Amazon and Netflix, they collect all the data they know about you and then they make the recommendations based off deep analysis of that data. And even McDonald's does this today. So in Japan, McDonald's has an app and like any great mobile platform, they collect the data about what users are buying and they analyze the data and then they use the results of that analysis to make recommendations now to you. So you might order the salad and the hot apple pie. I don't know if they still sell hot apple pies. (laughs) And the app might come back and say, and would you like a cappuccino with that? And what they've discovered is that people who buy online spend 35% more when they visit McDonald's. Because they've been upsold. Because they've been upsold with something more sophisticated than would you like fries with that. So they spend 35% more using the app than they would offline just walking into the store. So let's now move to the investable aspect of this. There's a lot of um, information. It's all fascinating how companies are utilizing it today and the benefits that they can accrue by doing so. But John, how do we think about What's possible for an investor? How do you get exposure to this aspect of business? When we think about how to get exposure to this emerging technology, I think it's helpful to break it down in a couple different ways. At the highest level, um, you have the public and private side. Mm -hmm. And 
Unfortunately, since this is such a new technology, a lot of the companies that are doing the direct AI work, the ones who are building the algorithms, collecting the data sets, these are still pretty small companies. And a lot of times they're still private, so not accessible for a lot of investors. However, on the public side, you have two other ways. You have the infrastructure, and then you do have some big companies that are really leveraging this technology. On the infrastructure side, there's really two huge plays that have helped spur the artificial intelligence revolution and have mutually benefited. You have the semiconductors, which are used to power the artificial intelligence algorithms and really parse through the data, detect those trends that Paul was talking about earlier. And additionally, these algorithms need a ton of data. IDC, which is a research company, they put out an estimate that by 2025, we'll need an additional 22 zettabytes of storage capacity. Hang on, hang on. So what's a zettabyte? Right. So a zettabyte is a billion terabytes. And to break that down into more reasonable terms, a terabyte is a thousand gigabytes. So really, we're talking about a massive amount of data out there. And only, um, what, six years from now? Right. Those are really the two areas that we think are big potentials for growth. The data centers, which are going to be storing a lot of that capacity, whether it be in the cloud or um, in hardware, and then also the semiconductors, which continue getting faster and faster and to allow these artificial intelligence companies to detect the trends. So Matt, let me jump in here. There's a, a much smaller, further angle to artificial intelligence adjacent infrastructure that I just want to tease out, um, because it's very similar to blockchain, which you and I have talked about in prior podcasts. And this is really the software companies who will sell you a package to analyze data with, just analogous to software companies in the blockchain space that will sell you software that will allow you to implement blockchain in your business in some way. In both cases, you can also hire consultants to come in and tell you which package you need or how to use the package to most effectively analyze your data or implement blockchain if you're talking about blockchain. Or there are companies that are both consultants and software vendors. Now, just as we saw with blockchain, we see in this artificial intelligence space that these software companies are very high risk, but potentially high reward investments. They can grow sales rapidly, but they can lose out just as quickly to rivals or they get acquired a substantial profit. So it's a small part of the universe, these software vendors, uh, software vendors and consultants, but it's a very high risk, high reward, potentially part of the space. So let me just recap to this point on the investing possibilities. John, you laid out that there's a lot of the companies involved in this business today are privately held, so not investable. You can't go out and buy their stock on an exchange. But then there are some publicly traded companies, which you broke down into two different areas. There's the infrastructure, which I think about in a, I guess in a gold rush, that's the picks and shovels companies. It's semiconductors and, and service providers, as Paul says. And then there's this other area, which are the companies that are effectively using data and AI tools in their business. Maybe talk about them next. Right. And it's the companies that you would expect. It's mostly the fangs. It's Facebook, Netflix, Amazon, Google, they've all focused on making AI a central part of what they do. Um, when you think about Amazon recommending different things for you to buy after you just spent a lot of money, uh, that's, that's AI and that's their AI algorithm that's convincing you to buy two or three things when you only planned on buying one. 
Uh, Facebook combines all the information that they have on you, location, your interests, your behaviors, and they try and target ads that are be more likely to get you to buy. To me, this is a really important distinction, Matt. We've spent a bit of time talking about the sales suggestion models. These are models to help boost sales for essentially retailers. I mean, McDonald's, Amazon, Netflix. In some sense, they're all retailers. But we've also seen artificial intelligence used by advertising companies, ad-funded businesses like Facebook and Google. And what these artificial intelligence algorithms allow them to do is very precisely identify a target group of people who might be interested in the commercial for the new Land Rover Discovery or the new organic pomegranates Mm -hmm. being sold by the vendor on the corner. And so these models are very effective at targeting precise groups of consumers. And because they're so effective... Ads uh, directed in these ways can command very high prices relative to ads just blasted out to, to the wide, broad population. So these artificial intelligence models are behind a dramatic shift in ad dollars out of traditional, not very well-targeted media into digital very well-targeted media. But your point, I guess, is that the return on that invested capital in placing that ad is much higher than an ad that is derived without all of this information. Yes. I mean, the, the famous quote is always about how advertisers know they're wasting half their ad dollars. They just can't work out which half. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, today with these targeted advertising opportunities, they're wasting far, far less of their ad dollars. Guys, let's move beyond retail and advertising. Are there any other examples of companies in a different industry that are utilizing artificial intelligence in ways that maybe our listeners hadn't thought of or haven't experienced to this point? One of the companies that we found that is really interesting and certainly not an industry where you would expect AI to be playing a big role is Blue River Technology, which is an agribusiness company. Blue River Technology was tackling a problem that most of us probably don't worry about. But when farmers are trying to get rid of weeds, they were just blanket spraying pesticide on all of their crops. Now, Blue River Technology came in and they wanted to find a way to reduce the amount of pesticide used. And so what they did is they started by collecting a massive data set of pictures of heads of lettuce. So hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pictures um, that they then used to train an AI algorithm to say, okay, this right here, that's lettuce. Don't spray it. This is a weed. Do spray it. And they were able to use these pictures and this algorithm to reduce the amount of pesticide sprayed by about 90%. Mm. And part of what's so great about this is that every time they go across a field, they're collecting more pictures of heads of lettuce, which is training the algorithm to be better. And it creates what we call a virtuous flywheel effect. And every time you're using this technology, it's making the product better, which hopefully then draws in more users and builds out more data. I think that's a great example of how data and analysis and and artificial intelligence is now being utilized in so many different industries, but also how we're probably only in the early innings of this, right? This has only been happening for a few years on any major scale. And so as we look out over 10, 20, 50 years, the utility of this information and this data will continue to grow. So guys, I'd love to have you back to talk about the fundamentals of these businesses, like profitability and valuation. So we'll do that in a later episode. But before we conclude, Paul, John, is there anything else you'd like to add on this issue that you think is relevant for our listeners to understand? 
Well, Matt, I'd like to throw out a teaser for the next episode okay. uh, on this topic. And I want to go back to a quote from the cannabis episode. In that cannabis episode, our colleague Moira McLaughlin was commenting that today's excitement around cannabis stocks, I think you could insert artificial intelligence stocks right. or blockchain <laughs> stocks, into the same quote. Today's excitement around cannabis stocks underscores investors' tendency to overrate both the impact of disruption in the short term and their own ability to pick winners. What we as an investment manager have to bring to the table for our clients is a disciplined and objective analysis of these investment fundamentals that you've talked about so that we don't get caught up in the hype, but instead we invest our clients' money in ways that exposes them to these themes but allows them to have a strong chance of enhancing their wealth over time through these investments. Uh, and that's really why we're spending so much time on this theme. We think it's going to be huge. It's going to be a big technology and industry going forward. But we want to spend time on it to make sure that we're helping our clients to take a discerning approach. And I think that's always the case, isn't it, guys, for early industries where there's a lot of excitement and investors often conflate the success of the industry with success of every single company. And that's not always the case. There are always winners and losers. Not everybody rises to the top. That's exactly right, Matt. So guys, thanks for joining us today. And for all of you out there, thanks for listening. If you'd like to learn more about artificial intelligence, please see the link to our blog in this episode's description. And as always, if you have any feedback or ideas, please email us at insights at Bernstein.com or find us on Twitter at Bernstein PWM. Bernstein, making money meaningful for individuals, families, and foundations for over 50 years. Visit us at Bernstein.com.